Welcome to that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast. I'm Dan Greaves. I'm Martin Rooney. And today, episode 13, we're going to talk to you about a few musings in the sports world. Yeah, we're going to talk about shoes, we're going to talk about competitions, we're going to talk about training, and we're going to talk about what grinds my gears. So, we really hope you enjoy this podcast and make sure you like and subscribe. Sweet enough. Champion for Discus Dan. Rooney gets the goal. Medal at the last four Paralympic Games. Martin Rooney ran a great race in lane one. Great character. Well done, Dan Greaves. Should we get going? I think we'll just get into it. Yeah. Episode 13. Is that what it is? Mm. Fucking hell, that's a special one. 13 hours of listening to us chat into your ear. This is not bad. It's good. It's we good. just try and get the dulcet tones right, don't we? So it's a pleasurable experience. <laughs> I just keep thinking of that guy who's doing all the like rubbing on the mic stuff. Uh, what's it called? ASMR. ASMR shit. Yeah. How are we doing on the sounds? It sounds good. Yeah, fine. Right. Are we actually recording? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I did another clap. You do a clap now, and then we're good. So hang on. If you do the clap now, the podcast will officially start after your clap, and then I'll be easy to sync the video. Cool. Okay. <laughs> wow. Hello. Hello, episode 13, can you believe it? Uh, yes, I can, because I thought we were quite good at this, so I don't know why. We are getting better. We're definitely doing right. I, uh, think, it's, I, think, uh, I think we're in a really comfortable situation right now here. Yeah, we're currently... In Casa del Rob. Laying back on this lovely corner sofa, as hopefully you'll see via the video that we're taking of this yeah, podcast. we've been doing a bit of video. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Um, yeah, it is it's very, very comfortable, and... Yeah. Dan, talk to me. How are you? What's going on in your winter and uh, how's training? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. Um, I'm back in the circle, so Boom. which is good. It's like um, reuniting with an old friend, a very warm and lovely feeling. It's been away for too long. I think it's been quite good, actually. been away from it for four months, so it makes you, think, fall back in love with it. Um, but really so good, long, mate. Yeah, started drills. It's a long time, four months. Four months, yeah. yeah it's circle. It's a good break that we've had and we've re-wrinkled kindled some love. Um, <laughs> and we'll be starting over again. It always feels quite good sometimes if you've been in that kind of relationship, I guess. I haven't, FYI. But, um, yeah, no, let's not do relationship <laughs> advice. It's not dear Deirdre. Discus we know it's relationship late at, advice know is it's slightly late different. At, yeah, late at night, but we won't go dear Deirdre. Um, yeah, mate, good. Everything's really good. Um, yeah, like I say, back in the circle. Feel happy. Getting stronger. Things are progressing, so hopefully by mid mid Feb, end of end of Feb should be in full throws and yeah, eight months or so of prep and and we should be there. So how much you said today that you you're really light? I know I can't believe it. Um, so we we get skin folds every four weeks, and normally my my fighting weight through the winter is about one hundred eight to one ten, then it drops in the summer. Um, it's about one, one hundred six, one hundred five kilos for competitions. Um, stepped on the scale, scales today, and I was one hundred one point nine, which Jesus. probably didn't hit that since puberty. So it's quite heavy, boy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a long time. Um, like, what what have you put it down to? Is it just not being in the circle, or is it diet, or is it dry January? Probably dry January. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's it's weird. I'm so consistent, even if I've had like a like in September, I've got to, I got I hit some fast food. You know, you just comfort mm. food eat because you've been injured and you live you, a bit. Yeah, you got to live a bit. 
a bit off season eating is is always good for the soul and you yeah you always put a bit on but then i've just kept the same diet for healthy diet since yeah since october and nothing's changed and my weight very rarely fluctuates but to drop four or nearly five kilos off of off of my weight i don't know why it's gone but i feel good though i feel i feel like i haven't just like lost a load of strength as well and yeah. all my skin folds are good power to weight ratios good intestine did you um keep up the 60 for 62 for 62 or is it oh mate no you've moved on. yeah MJ, MJ, my SNC coach, still thinks that he did 65 for 65, so we'll let him have that one. But yeah. there's no video evidence. And, no, no, and he's, yeah, he's only mustered, I don't know, what, 54 for 60? Or, or do, you get, do you get 59? He's, he uh, we won't put Rob on the spot for that, but yeah. like, uh, you should know better than not having video evidence or a witness to, to back you up on that. <laughs> but like, yeah. yeah, I don't know, that's, that's a big way, it's a big way. Yeah, that was just, it was like, it's just something fun, something mm. fun, and you can start a winter. It, so it's done. Yeah. It's like, what about it's like you? Do I saw you doing something weird in the gym the other day? <laughs> it was like floor bench or something like that. Mm. Yeah, so floor press, no bench, like floor bench press, and it was yeah, it was really, really, really strange because naturally, like the bar comes onto your chest, but you obviously got the floor in the way. So when your elbows hit the floor, comes onto your chest. Yes, innuendo. <laughs> I love bench press that much. Um, I love yeah, to watch like, it that much. Um? I love to watch it that much. <laughs> I wonder what you're doing standing over me. That's <laughs> thing. It's a little bit strange. Disconcerting, but... It was a wonderful thing. Yeah, just the weirdest thing I think I've ever had to try with 160k on, trying to bench and bring it down to your chest, but obviously the floor's in the way, so it can only come down so far. Mm. And then you've just got to be really controlled with it and not just bang the floor okay. where there's obviously when you bench there's just nothing there you just have to get down to your chest and, and try and control it back up as much as possible it's just yeah a little bit tricky but just as taxing um, yeah mate it's, it looked impressive it's uh it's when you haven't you've been doing in your career for so long to find something that's like shocking your body and putting you into different positions and challenging you in new ways that's pretty exciting in a way isn't it like yeah i think it's like <clears throat> it's just mixing it up with just with different exercises you get so monotonous in doing bench all the time that we found that we hit a plateau and mm. my triceps just weren't firing in the same way mj was like well let's mix it up so we've been doing some decline dumbbell press some different um tricep um taxing tricep work and that was one of them and so we're going to keep that in for four weeks and then go back to bench and see whether there's any benefit from it and and whether we've actually increased some muscle and power and stuff mate if, as long as, it, as, long as it's uh, challenging you and putting you in a different yeah. uh, stressing a different system that's going to make you a better thrower that's, that's all that matters really isn't it so. mate so the first part together since South Africa mm. how's it back how's it been and how's it been back in the UK uh, South Africa was a great camp um, it's a beautiful thing <laughs> Stellenbosch you know yourself it's it's um, it's a place of beauty it's somewhere that um, I think everyone gets there and they just they feel good about themselves they feel good about being at training and you, you just it's sun is shining and the food is good people are all fairly friendly and stuff like it, it's it, it's a special place to be and I, it's somewhere I was, I've always enjoyed being there 
Uh, this year we were staying at the SAS, which is uh, Stellenbosch Academy of Sport. Not the military. Uh, no, not the military. <laughs> it's where the South African Rugby Sevens teams are based. And it's a great facility. I think it's a bit expensive, to be honest. I wouldn't, if I was paying for it myself, I felt, thankfully, British Athletics were paying for it. But if I was paying for it myself, I'd have got a nice Airbnb in town and mm. lived a good life there. But, um, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, training went really well. I got to train a lot with Cameron um, Cameron Chalmers. I uh, didn't get to do a session of the ball lays, unfortunately. Okay. Couldn't really tie it up. Cameron got to do a session of the ball lays. And he ran very well. Uh, do you they're just scared that you were just going to smoke him? No, no, they're doing very well in training. They're training very well. And uh, Dylan, Kevin and Jonathan, are um, they're in good shape. I think uh, they're, they're always quietly confident. Mm. You see them there, they kind of like, they might not get what they wanted out of the session, but they know everything's building and burn. they're patient people. So, um, no, it was good. Like Cameron's in great shape. He was kicking my ass on yeah. some of the sessions. It was like, yo... It really was impressive. Is he the youngest uh, boy, No, Cameron Chalmers is uh, oh, oh, a kid geez, from yeah. one of the islands, oh, Guernsey God. or Jersey or oh, Isle yeah. of Man or somewhere. <laughs> I'm only winding him up. I know it's one of them. You know what? I roomed with him. And at that point, I really realised I was very senior on the team because I realised that, I'm, well, I'm 10 years older than him. When I moved to Loughborough at 18, he was eight years old. And... Uh, yeah, I read. I was like, you, you were a kid. Yeah, I was already becoming a pro athlete, and you were literally still walking around with, not without even pubes high school the balls. Then, yeah. Probably a couple of pubes, maybe. Well, not even. But yeah, no, it was it was crazy. So, and it it was good to train with him. Uh, Dale Garland was there looking after him. So, uh, unfortunately, Nick, my coach, couldn't come in the end. So Dale looked after me, and that was great. Um, but no, I was really happy with the training. I was really happy to be back. I think. Um, I miss my family. Yeah, you I was going to ask, what was yeah. my next leading question is like, you've been away for like three and a bit weeks. Yeah. It, like, does that ever play on your mind? You know, when you've been away and you start to get to the tail end of, of kind of you, you trip and then you think, oh, it is closer to home. And does that, does it ever creep in? It does, yeah. I think um, not so much now that they're much better at FaceTime and stuff like that. But when I went to the Commonwealth, Australia, uh, I was away for about seven weeks, and that was tough. Like, so when I Jack, Jack came to Australia. Like, they, my wife, my in-laws, and my kids flew to New Zealand. Kate flew from New Zealand, Auckland to the Gold Coast to come watch me run a relay. I didn't run, unfortunately, because I got injured. But um, yeah, and like Jack came across, and he was really angry with me at first, and then obviously he was very warm, and yeah. he just wouldn't leave my arms, which was lovely. But then when I got to New Zealand and Kida was there she didn't recognise me and that oh, was a, that was a killer like fuck that fucked me yeah. up I like, really did like I spent like we were only in New Zealand for a very short time we, we didn't spend enough time there but for a good three days I was just like pissed because I was like yeah my daughter doesn't know who yeah. I am that's that was tough she was very young and I think she for like I think it was like two fifths of her life I'd been away <laughs> oh, so I was like fuck that was hard because I think so, that's something that, that you know it's all well and good there's quite a lot of athletes that are obviously quite quite proud of they go away and, and but they don't have to deal with that emotion and that that kind of oh yeah the, the indifference in like this you know the psychological side of coming back to the family and having that repercussion and yeah and then maybe feeling that slight bit of guilt that you've been away away from your family and, and your loved ones and it's different like I, I used to love being away I didn't have a problem with it Kate never had a problem with it I'd be away for like six weeks minimum and it'd be like 
yeah, we just chat on Skype or whatever. I'd be in LA and it was a horrible time difference, but we just made it work. It was cool. And then, <clears throat> like, as obviously now we've had kids and stuff, it's like, obviously it's tough on Kate because she becomes a single parent, basically, for that time. And it's, uh, you rely on, we don't really rely on in-laws that much when I'm in the country, yeah. when I'm about, but when I'm away, like, you become very dependent on people. I, that doesn't sit well with me or Kate, uh, with Kate. We're kind of, yeah. we like to be independent and we can do our own thing so that's always hard but um, like we've got great families that are very supportive and yeah it, that's very tough for both of us because I feel guilty because I'm away and then it's like but I need to eat, sleep, train, repeat exactly. that's the thing like it's it's um, and Kate only wants the best for you as well well she's given me the pass until the end of the summer and that's it like <laughs> no way is it happening again it's uh yeah, I've got until after Tokyo, and then it's like, yeah, you're back in. You're um, you're not going on any trips anymore, so. Which is understandable. Well, yeah, in yeah, the same breath cool. for you but as I well, because think... you, you obviously, they they grow up so quickly, they, they do, you don't yeah. want to miss that. No, they've been brilliant. Like, Jack is brilliant. He chats away with me on the phone. Uh, some days he's not, not into it, he just doesn't want to talk to the phone. Like, okay. But then other times you just give him a call rather than FaceTime, and he'll walk around the house with his phone. Well, not his phone, Kate's phone. That's cool. Akida, uh, yeah, it took like she became very daddyfied for a little bit, and was, but she's back into back in the fold. But that's hard. But it's kind of like it's hard when you go away. But when you get back, and now they're at a better age as well. It's kind of like, yeah, it's cool. They're all right back. They're, as long as they get gifts as well, you <laughs> butter them up and you know buy their affection. <laughs> so, all better. Yeah, it's cool. So we're back, and it's the indoor season started. Yeah, it's, it, it comes around quick, doesn't it? You know, one minute it's winter, you're going away warm weather, and the next minute you're in thrust into indoor season. Well, neither of us are, but no, as I was might say, you, are you you're going to compete tonight here? I am, I am. I'm doing a not so secret 600 meters indoors in Ireland. Um, That'd be a great crack. <laughs> fuck it, it'd be crack. It, it's gonna, I've, it's in Athlone, uh, Athlone, Athlone, and. Athlone is uh, quite close to where my dad's from. He's from um, a place called Balakamile, which is a very small place um, in Westmeath, farming area. We'll even call it a town or whatever. Castle Pollard's the nearest town. It's not far away. So I was like, right, I'm going to go race in Athlone someday. Uh, I've never raced indoors before, ever. I've never even, got, never even run around a bend indoors. So that's going to be a whole new thing. And then 600 metres is bloody horrible. So it's going to hurt whatever happens. I'm going to be in bits, but it's going to be fun. Like I think Guy Lamont's doing it. Um, Mark English is doing it. Irish 800 meter runner guy who's very fast over the shorter distances as well. Um, maybe Tom Barr. I think Di Green's still down on the list to do it. Hopefully he is there. And then I think there's a guy called um, Zach. Oh, lovely bloke. Was it Loughborough? Loughborough and Baylor. Some big sports universities, but he he used to be a 400 runner who moved up to 800, so he's going to be involved. It's it's going to be a bit of a dust up, and I think even Elliot Giles is in there. Jeez. Jesus Christ, that sounds good. Though. I started shitting myself already. <laughs> <laughs> but then this is is slightly different, isn't it? Because you don't obviously do indoors, so you have to like all as field eventers wait it out until maybe April. Yeah, normally even. normally I wouldn't have raced until the end of March, beginning of April, but it's. Probably, well, I'm pretty certain it's going to be my last winter, and it's. I'm not going to do it next year. So, hmm. there's no like, oh, it's Olympic. Yeah, you can't make, you can't take risk. It's like literally just get on with it and do it. Uh, so I'm quite excited about that. 
You got any indoor discus competitions coming up? No. No? There is, is there one in Germany? Wait, yeah, there's one. I used to do one in Sweden. And, uh-huh. oh, it yeah, it was the weirdest sensation ever. Turn up to compete and it's, I don't know what it was, minus five outside, stacked with snow. You mm. wade through the snow, get into the complex. And this thing is like a massive, great big aircraft hangar. Obviously, naturally, it has to be. Mm. You can throw up to, I think, 75 meter javelin indoors. So this place is Bloody huge. Hell. Like So you think how high a javelin goes. Mm. Um, and it's a massive football pitch with a stadium inside. Um, and Full. it's just a big, massive, domed nice. um, aircraft hangar. And they literally set up a, a little cage in the middle of like the goal area, I guess, um, at one end of the pitch. It's got a full in uh, under the the stadium as well. It's got a full 400 meter track, so it goes like through one one end, round the other, and then under the stadium. It's wicked. Um, Sign me up. But I used to love it. Like every winter, we well for like the three years I did it back to back, and used to they had 20 people there in the elite comp and. Trained with Olympic, well, trained and competed against the Olympic champion Ger Kanter. Oh, right, I mean, yeah. It was so Big good. Dog. Yeah, so much fun. So they whack like, really loud speakers on. I don't know, maybe 2,000 people turn up to yeah. see it. Well, he um, generates a crowd on his own anywhere yeah. he goes when he's throwing. And he oh, threw... He's retired now. Is he retired? Yeah, uh, yeah he is a coach now. Okay. Um, and he threw 69 metres that day. Imagine, like, <laughs> with no wind. No wind, nothing. At, in, just, in, yeah, just launched like, it out. So we, one year, said, oh, why don't we get a massive wind turbine? The yeah, other end yeah. and like create a bit of a, a bit of an advantage but they were like oh that goes against the rules but indoors but there is so there is comps out there yeah I've, I've definitely seen that one in Germany where yeah yeah, and then they've got the one at the O2 basically the equivalent of the German O2 and um, they basically do but what they do is they do a full indoor meet and then they shut it down for whatever like half an hour I think it is mm. put on some entertainment whilst they're setting up the discus cage and everyone stops to watch the discus and yeah. it's like the biggest events they have Robert Harting a couple of Olympic mm. champs have got like flame flowers growing up so every time you, the disc lands over 60 metres everyone knows it's gone over 60 because the flames go up it's, and they put like proper party atmosphere God, I love German meets they're yeah. so much better than like Istaf was always one of the best meets I've ever done the Berlin meet and I remember watching the hammer competition there where the hammer for what was her name Heidi Heidi oh uh, yeah Heidi I can't remember her name but she the Polish girl threw a world Becky record Hydra? Hydra. that's I think Ginger Hager Ginger yeah so she was throwing against the Polish girl Polish girl threw a world record crowd went mad didn't matter that she wasn't the German girl it was like everyone was there for that there was a 100 meter race going on at the same time no one cared no. it was the, the hammer was like both straights were watching the hammer yeah. and it um, they, I think they just do it so much better the track meets over there and they understand field events I think they get like they get the, the <clears throat> excuse me. They get the story. Yeah, like yeah. I'd much rather watch like a, uh, a shot put competition than pretty much most track events. <laughs> pole vault. I love watching pole vault. Yeah. Um, and it's less for discus or high jump. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I cut. <laughs> I love field, like I'm a f- probably more into field events than then like maybe fifteen hundred, eight hundred, and four hurdles. Yeah. It's kind of weird for a four hundred meter runner to not really so. talk about his own event, but. Sometimes you do like I, I've watched. I think the pole vault and triple jump, watching Christian yeah. Taylor, and uh, yeah, Charles who do CT. Those those kind of events just obviously every event's tricky, but like that coordination just to know, to know the the person going nearly eighty meters mm. consistently for how many how many yeah, years he's done it for now. It's an amazing 
I, I think like once TV, the media gets behind a, a dialogue of a, an event, they'll understand it more and they can sell it better. Yeah. But all they see is like they'll just cut to like one guy or girl doing jumping in the sandpit and then they won't come back to it for another mm. couple of minutes. So there's no storyline. There's nothing. No. The fact that like the, the lead has probably changed a couple hands a couple of times or someone's had a foul jump and now it messes it up for the next second. It's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shame like um, that they don't capitalize on that. That's what could sell mm. athletics. And I think when people watch it live, they get it and they understand it. And, and I think like in the throne community, I know this is. Like one of the problems is because the sport's not growing and evolving primarily now even more so because they've put a time limit of 90 minutes on so you know like the, cov- the, whole the, comp. Co- the coverage for the comp yeah where you're not going to tell a story when actually a discus comp does take 90 minutes yeah. and when there might be a shot put that day a javelin so you've then got to prioritize like well who do you cover yeah. do you throw you can't you can't cover everything and and that's the shame the, the, the nooks and crannies of the sport is that some events have been completely singled out and coverage. I mean, obviously we can't even get started on hammer because they're not, yeah, <laughs> not even yeah. in the Grand Prix circuit and that's completely sucks. But some events are getting so singled out that they'll end up just having no interest because it, well, you know, the coverage isn't there for people to go, Oh, I want to do that. That looks freaking cool on TV. I think it's shit when they just show like the winner, they show they're winning three throws. Yeah. So first, second, third, I'm like, well, yeah, oh, hold on, that's all yeah. well and good, dude. But you've literally sandwiched that in between a ten k and a or yeah. a five k and a hundred meter hurdle or one ten hurdle. And like the winner, like Perkovic could have had she had two no throws in the Olympics, and she yeah. came out third round and luckily got one in, and then went on to win it. That's that's like, that's, that's a story. That's, that's <laughs> cool to follow, and you can you get yeah. hyped for it and stuff. And I think that's what when athletics like you can if you really get to watch that and understand it it's mm-hmm. it's so much better than what we get given by like i understand eurosport try they're better than the bbc like bbc would much rather go sit and watch the people in the studio chatting shit that they're talking about stuff they don't even know about and experts that don't know anything about the sport rather than actually just show the sport mm-hmm. and people can learn about it like and if you've got people like steve backley who makes an effort to talk to coaches you've got people like steve cram who is a coach they understand what goes on when you get other people who are just like haven't paid attention for the sport they paid they used to like when bolt was there it was like oh i've done my research on bolt uh and then there's like another hundred and whatever athletes in the meet but it doesn't matter <laughs> i'm just talking about bolt and as long as i've got my facts right about him which is shit because like bolt everyone knew about bolt yeah what, can, what yeah. the fuck do you need to see, learn about need, bolt do you need to know much about him that is a was a championship performer. He was sick. Best guy in the world and you could rely on him turning up yeah. for champions. He was incredible. He was an incredible athlete and we got that. We Let's talk about the other athletes. And it's like, British athletics is a failing. They don't really promote any other athletes. They're really like one, they have like a small vision thing. They're like the horses that have the, the guards on and their faces. And it's like, they'll have literally, and it's not like I'm not having a go. <laughs> I don't want to have a go at these people, but like, they'll literally pick out Kat, Dina, and Laura and they're credible world champions and stuff but they'll and say Adam Jamili and like these are incredible athletes and great personalities and those should be your focus but don't forget about the other up and coming athletes coming from no one knew who Ricky was Gemma is it uh, Gemma, Gemma Ricky <laughs> Gemma Ricky like she just ran 157 like like she's Laura Muir's training partner we should know more about her you know what mm. I mean like she should be British athletics have always failed to go. Like it's very easy. They employ media people. They're busy as hell when it comes to championships. They work very hard, 
But in that off time, they could be at tracks, literally going and filming and talking to athletes. They can spend a day following a funded athlete hmm. and they can knock up a two minute video Crazy. with some pictures and a little interview and they put it on their Instagram or their Twitter and they got however many follow thousand followers. Yeah. It's just an easy way of promoting the guys. And, and, it, and it should make their job slightly more easier at champs because they don't have to do the groundwork into the athlete because it's yeah. already out there. They can just reuse the footage that they've maybe They've got all the year. footage. Like, Literally mm. put a bit of slow-mo, a bit of black and white. It looks great. Mm. Bit of dramatic. Bit of branding on it. British Flex. No problem. Lot that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast on the bottom. Of course, yeah. yeah. So but I guess there's a tenuous link there that we were talking about trying to convert athletics into exciting. With the revelation about the Nike shoes, mm. um, I guess like, was it Kipchoge's world record? World um, best. World best, sorry, yeah. Um, what, and is, then, it, is it even a world best? What is it? What is it? Well, I don't know a, what it is it's now. It's just yeah, it's a sub two now. Um, a feat, a human feat. I guess like now, World Athletics have come out and given these guidelines about shoe structure and lots of different policy because there are athletes now that maybe have got personalised and customised shoes to their own specifications that now are deemed an advantage. Mm. Do you reckon that will take? like some of the plaudits out you know some of these athletes have maybe run really fast times and then have to maybe declare what they've got in their shoes <laughs> will it affect them yeah i think future? it will i think well there's it's quite obvious when you go like it was always a like a, a sign of your ability or your standing in athletics if you had your own custom spikes like you aimed to get custom spikes like when i signed with nike one of the reasons i signed with nike is because they were going to make me my own shoe and they did make me a shoe, but it was rubbish. But anyway, <laughs> oh, they basically told me like they, I flew to, I went to Beaverton um, to the Nike headquarters, met the shoe designers, great guys, and I was like, "This is what I want." And they're like, "Well, you're not world record holder, you're not Olympic or world champion, so we can't really do that." And I was like, "Yeah, but then why did you just yeah. not tell me that on the phone? Why did you fly me all the way here?" <laughs> you could have saved me. Yeah. And it was like, they made me a shoe and it was super soft and it was kind of like a precursor to the Zoom 400 that came out um, maybe two years ago, which is basically, they made this 400 meter shoe, which is really an 800 meter shoe. Um, and yeah, I ran kind of poor in it, but... Um, it's almost like a, an unwanted Christmas gift, even though you should always want your Christmas yeah, gift. Yeah, they made me like 30 really pairs excited. of it, 40 pairs of these shoes. And I was like, I wore like two pairs and I was like, that's shit. Um, but anyway... Going back to the Nike shoe, I think um, the ha technology moves forward. You want to, for them to sell shoes, uh, Nike need to be ahead of the curve as such. And the same with Adidas, they're all racing to make the best shoe. Adidas, New Balance, Brooks, um, I think Ciccone. One of them, I think it's Brooks or Ciccone, which has brought out a shoe just recently, yeah. which is like the 5%. So it's it's not just the one brand and i think that's what's like nike and what's well, the idea of trying to like right before it gets out of their hand then it out of hand they need to rein it back in but it's just going to be very interesting to see what happens with all these guys who've got custom shoes i reckon you can look at pretty much all the medalists and world champs and say which ones had standard shoes on i think it'd be a high percentage of athletes that had custom shoes that aren't yeah. available in the shops so just recently obviously we mentioned Gemma Riki and her um 157 800 they were in customized spikes along with love and mirror apparently um yeah so that's like obviously just just one thing but yeah i mean 
so for athletes and for companies, um, it says here that they've got to meet the requirement, an issue um, that is first introduced after um, the 30th of April in 2020, may not be used in competition unless mm. and until it has been available for a minimum of um, four months mm. prior. So if it's been out into the public domain um, for a minimum of four months, then you're able to use it in competition. If not, it's deemed that it's a, a custom-made Custom shoe, shoe yeah. that you're not. So I guess a prototype. Or yeah, a prototype, individual shoe. Um, obviously, you can get away with personal TUEs. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. And TUEs. I, yeah, I've got really bad dorsiflexion. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's the thing. I think we're going to see a lot of people going. Oh, well, I have to wear the shoe because I've got an injury in this and whatever. And, um, I do understand it with certain athletes, like uh, who will have a shoe that um, because of. If they wear another shoe, they just literally can't compete. So I get that, but and they're probably more in Paralympic sport than anything. Like you see some, pretty much. I've seen some funky shoes in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, yeah. Um, I guess that differs because it's more of a pronounced. Well, it's more of a need thing than yeah. than it's, it is enabled bodied in Olympic sport. So just for instance. So I've got orthotics in mine. I've got my disc issues, which I've got carbon fiber foot plates in, mm -hmm. primarily just because with the way my feet are, it assists to be more stable. Um, I've got obviously one foot that's really hyper dorsiflexed and one which is plantar flex. So mm -hmm. I need, on on the one that's plantar flex, I need that raising. Okay. Um, and then the one that dorsiflex, obviously I need that one to be under the toe more rather than the heel that's in the, in the um, yeah, yeah. right and left one. So... For me, but then obviously Jonathan Broom Edwards, a high jumper, has it. Uh, he's got a leg length deficiency like myself, but he actually raises the heel in his shoe, so he goes to get an extra layer put in his shoe, okay. um, which then obviously is, he's able to have a, a level hip level, which is mm. vital to get over the bar in high jump. So I think it, in in Paralympic sport, it's not more for the advantage because. It's not a performance advantage. It's it's a, it's a ability advantage. Well, yeah, I think I think ableite. It's to give. It's it's to make the best opportunity of what the person's got. So you're pushing your body to the limit anyway, mm. but you're able to use some technology to enable yourself to okay to perform yeah. to, to effectively to perform better. Which sounds like performance enhancing, but when you when you're already starting in a negative. It just kind of brings like it up. Performance enhancing is like a somebody can't walk, giving them a wheelchair with a rocket on the back. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. I mean, that no, is Dave Weir anyway with his arms, but yeah, those are guns, They're massive. Um, Big Dave Weir. Shout but yeah, Dave I mean, but then like it's like we discussed the other day. It's like um, Blake Leeper. He's got oh yeah. He's, he's got one size for the Paralympics, which is makes him five foot ten, and then he rocks up to. Able-bodied Olympic meets and he's six foot four. Yeah, it's, it's so I thought it was crazy. the other way around. I thought he had to be shorter for the IWF events, and then thought he could be as tall as he wanted, basically in IPC. Yeah. And it's all a bit. Well, it, um, for the IWF, he has to be a certain height, but mm. I don't know how he runs at that. He was measured at a competition at, at that height, but for the, to be in the Paralympics and the World Champs and Olympics, you have to be. You have to be what they measure you go through certain protocols and they mm -hmm. scan you whether you lost your limbs at birth or whether you actually knew what height you were going to be um they wouldn't measure what your natural leg length would be or your okay, height yeah, efficiency yeah. and then say 
your prosthesis, you have to be measured at that height. Okay. Yeah, I, I always remember, I'll always remember when Oscar was fighting his battle, like, he wanted the, it to be the same as IWF, so that, because he was shorter than what he could have been. Like, yeah. he was like, well, no, I don't want to, I'm not trying to get any advantage from being taller. So when he went and raced that Brazilian guy, the Brazilian guy wouldn't come and do able body racing because he'd have to change his stilts. Yeah. Stilts. He was massive, mate. What's going through my head right now is one of those circus guys, those really long trousers yeah. on. Stilts. Those are the trousers I wear all the time. What are you talking about? That's Blake Leaper's new uh, tagline. Yeah, this is it. No, I don't know. I just, it's a bit, um, I, I want to see, I, I, I think the IWF have done the right thing by kind of like trying to control the situation because it was getting out of hand for them. But um, obviously you want to see what's the best product out there. And I think as long as it's available to everyone, then yeah. that's fair. Um, as think, long as it comes in size 13 and a half yeah. in Adidas or size 13 in uh, Nike or whatever it is, there's no problem. No, <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah, I think Subco summed it up with his is like, you know, athletics is a global sport and things like that should be made available to everybody mm. to, to you know completely surpass a fair competition yeah otherwise what's the point because people are just going to go undercover and they come up with some crazy creation they're going to have those Ned Flanders shoes on yeah what Ned Flanders you remember Ned Flanders <laughs> I can't remember his shoes but oh I just yeah got an image of his Ned Flanders bouncy shoes that he had on um, indoors so let's talk about indoors let's see uh, we touched upon uh, the 800 um, that incredible race up in Scotland in Glasgow uh, 157 whatever yeah. it was rapid yeah. Laura Muir 158 mid like um, is it possible do you mind if you can get the, the time by the up? powers of Google Le Google like they were incredible like um I'd take away forget about the shoes like Laura Muir had those shoes last year anyway so it doesn't matter oh yeah I mean the legs have got to go round and the yeah. body's got to follow um, so it's like Riki she's a it. young girl coming through she doubled up at the European um, under 23s and won both so she's obviously a super talented athlete so to to hit those times 157.91 oh wow fucking hell <laughs> that <is laughs> that's tough. rapid and 158.4 for second well, was it Adele Tracy was third, and then Keely Hodgkin ran a European under twenty record in two hundred one sixteen. Like, it was legit fast. Like, that's, yeah. you're not messing about. So, fair play to all of them. Congratulations to them. I thought. Um, and I mean, if they were a world champs, that would be pretty much. Uh... Well, the thing is, everyone's talking about Riki, and that she deserves a lot of praise. But I'm looking at Laura Muir. She's a one fifty five, uh, three fifty five. Or three fifty four, whatever, fifteen hundred meter on that. She's just run a PB. Yeah, I'm like, well, well, shit, that's good. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's good for her going into the next couple of months. I know she's only got a very short indoor summer, uh, indoor season, but that's where if you're her comp- if you're a fifteen hundred meter runner on the world stage, you're going to be looking at that more than anything. Yeah. Going, yo, that shows, <laughs> this girl's not messing about. So that that just shows. Does that just show that she's probably been working really hard on some flat speed? Over the winter, I don't know. I mean, couldn't tell you. I know she's uh, she's not had the perfect winter this year, but she's Andy Young coach. She he drills them hard. He pushes them um, and tries. He's just trying to get the best out of them. But he does incredible work with them. And 
I know they don't mess about with their training. Some of the stuff that Derry, when Derry Suter yeah. obviously treats her and he was um, telling her some of the sessions that she was doing, I was like, not a chance, mate. No. I'd need a, I'd need a bike for that. Um, but that's like obviously the top, top, top performance is one of the best in the world. We got obviously Posse, he's world number one at the moment, seven fifty two. He did very um, well. Indoor King. Indoor King. Uh, you got Tom Gale, young boy, podcast listener. Yeah. It's a very smart young man, that one. Yeah, very wise. <laughs> Actually, I met him on uh, the uh, Ace course. He's now YTP. It's been a couple of different names. But anyway, uh, I did a, a day where I was just talking to the athletes and stuff and um, trying to advise them about being an athlete. And I think one of the main things I took away from it was go out and enjoy freshers, get pissed for two weeks, and then... <laughs> Make friends. But um, Tom Gale, yeah, he's jumped 230 yeah, so PB. far indoors. Um, we should have some kind of like little sound over bit when people, when we, we should do this, we should make a regular thing of like announcing some good, good athletic performances in the pod. So when well, we do, we'll put like a little cheer sound to anyone that we, that, that we need just to fly. Yeah. 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 That, that's it. That's done. <laughs> that's uh, so third place to Tom. Congratulations. Onwards and upwards. I mean, there's some, you know, look, um, look in there. There's, there's some really good performance out there. You, did you Beth, Beth Partridge. She went one, was it ni- 190? 190. 191, was it? Oh, one. Yeah, nice. 191 PB. And uh, Nikki. Nikki Manson, 192. It's, it's good to see different names coming out. Obviously, we've mm. got. Um, You've got KJT and, KJ and Morgan. Uh, she hasn't opened yet. She's uh, had a big change in coaching situation. Um, and she's moved back down south, I think, to train with her dad more often. So that's great. Uh, so it's exciting to see what's going on in the women's high jump. I think that's um, an event where... It's always been stacked as well, hasn't it? Like There's always been a, uh, like a... Like maybe like... you know, I meant stacked as in like you've always got girls that are maybe... Jumping like one eighty five plus. Yeah, always think, it's been it's always been quite fruitful, um, and and then slowly. I think if we can get some more girls up in the nineties and the mid to high nineties, that's mm. that's where we want to be. That's where medals are won at championships. You might get a couple of girls over two, but top eight in the Olympics and world champs, you want to be over yeah. ninety six high or whatever. So that's that's good. You've got Holly Bradshaw open to four sixty. Um, that's pretty good. Like and that was opening. in France. Was it in France? Because that looked. A I think it was France, Paris, maybe four sixty. Yeah, looked like that looked a really one? decent comp. Four sixty one. Wow, everyone's adding this one centimeter on. Cheeky <laughs> sods. And then you've got uh, Harry Capel. It's not Coppel, It's Capel. Is it Capel? <laughs> yeah. Um, he jumped five seventy, and um, oh, he's the, Charlie Myers and Adam Hager doing bits as well. So it's yeah. kind of like the standard of pole vaults up there at the moment. It's just it's uh, it's almost a shame there's no bloody indoor world championships yeah. for them to go to <laughs> go pick up some medals and get a confidence booster before the well, uh, the well, olympics the main thing is like it's points that's mm. the thing for loads of athletes yeah. it's a huge thing the olympics this year so for anyone listening that doesn't know talk them through the point system um <sighs> on how, to get... how that works mate don't ask me <laughs> mate uh... i put you i know i put you on the spot but just a, a, a little brief guide of how the point system can work okay to, so advantage to get into the iwf have set they've set a standard they they want a certain amount of people competing in events and they've set a standard which would be i think it's say in the 400 i think it's like 48 athletes so the top 24 athletes they want to hit a standard so they set the standard quite high 44 9 and then they want to take the next 24 athletes from points so they wouldn't have got the the standard 
but they'll have got points from championships or so it'll be national championships it can be grand prix you can come last in a grand prix a diamond league grand prix and you'll do you'll make you get more points from that than you will from winning your nationals i think it's something ridiculous like that it's, it's all a bit shit to be perfectly honest no one likes it um the iwf are throwing it out there and they're trying to change it and whatever I, I think no one's arguing with hard standards i don't really have a problem with that um i got one of the questions i got actually on instagram was like what do i think about the whole selection thing and what's british athletics have their selection policy they're not taking anyone on an invite they only they're only taking people who get the standards but you'll probably know because you're on the commission but i said as soon as neil black lost his job or left his job whatever that they had to change the policy because pd was a ma- massive part of it um and i think what will happen is now instead of being like half they'll go three quarter so like british flex will have a three quarter standard so it'll still be tough and some events they won't change it but like some events are ridiculous it's like oh throw a british record or throw like european meddling uh distance in the hammer if you want to get selected but unfortunately there's only like one fucking competition you can throw it in so right? yeah so for instance i was talking to 750 talking to mark dry Jesus. um mark dry the other day hammer thrower and i think one time to make the olympics had to throw 77 meters yep that would have placed him top was- three in europe top eight in the world yeah but because he didn't they didn't take him and he then you know you think he threw 75 so he was just maybe on the cusp of like the top 30 in the world mm. um and then and with that subsequently he didn't go but if you the qualification standard i think was 77 and he's like if you threw that then yes you were guaranteed top eight but no one <laughs> no one apart from now nick miller obviously years, years past miller. yeah nick miller's um obviously can you in, do a nick miller Greenwich. voice I can't. Uh, Nuke Miller, yeah, he talks a bit like this, and he likes to throw, and he always talks like he's from. Where's he from? America? No, he's from like somewhere up north, like <laughs> fucking Carlisle or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, um, but he's just picked up tour. His coach is Swedish, and he's went to school in the states, and he's he's a cool guy, but he talks a bit like this. It's a bit weird, you know. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so I think. <laughs> So, I think there's like a, the a realist element where they've got to be a little bit real with expectations, but also give that demand for excellence and push athletes along to go, look, you know, this is what you've got to aspire to because we want you to be medalists and so should you. Mm-hmm. And and it's finding that balance and being on the athletes commission, which is, uh, has been really good. We've, we're trying to get it out there, but we are trying to enable and, empower the athletes more so that we can we have had really good meetings um with british athletics um about the policies and making them not more athlete friendly but in a way just a little more opportunity and a little bit more insight to athletes so they fully understand when decisions are made which i think is vitally important across the board yeah at any level whether it's under 20 under 23 or um, seniors so, and they've been very very receptive to what we've had to say and and hopefully there can be a nice little collaboration there where we can get to explain to athletes a bit more about the policy and what effect we've had to try and either change things or adapt things um but yeah it's, it's they've been very receptive and i think the policy will i will, hope so will I, I think like the, we talked about it before um 
uh, that they've missed the point about what's wrong with just being an Olympian. Mm. I think um, sometimes that's like missed that like it's the greatest thing that you can do as an athlete is become an Olympian, and um, they're taking that away from people who might have qualified, who might deserve to be there, but because they don't meet British Athletics standards or they're not they're not in the right coaching situation or right click or whatever you want to call it they're not going to get selected so hopefully that's take away uh, a lot of that and we can have many as many athletes there as possible and I think um, as many people on that plane representing Team GB Mm. so with indoors do you think then next year it's going to be really tough having a world worlds because normally it's World Euros and Olympics this year, then Euro indoors next year with the World Champs outdoors. Mm. Do you think many athletes will then will they, will they still try and double up like they would have done this year, or do you think they'll go mm, and and where is then the European indoors going to fit in? Because obviously that's another big biggie. Well, I think there's going to be definitely a two week gap. I've read that. Sven is at the end of the day the priorities for them is European F- indoor championships is going to be their big thing. So the yeah. World indoors is a secondary event. But for okay. everybody else, obviously, the World Indoors has been the main event. So it's, it's um, it'll be interesting. I think, um, to be honest, the more comps, the better. Yeah. Sod it. It's indoors. Is that, yeah. If you can put on a couple of good comp, two big uh, indoor championships in, in a, a short amount of time, you're going to publicise the sport in a time that's normally a dead time. You know, people don't watch athletics only for major championships like Olympics, World Champs. So get it out there. Get as much out there. I'm, I'm not against it. I think it... It's making the best of a bad situation. Like hopefully, uh, coronavirus won't have spread, and we'll actually yeah. be alive. <laughs> I just I hope. Know. I just yeah. You just hope. I mean, just hope and pray that everyone's like all right in the area, and that it's managed to be sorted, and and, and there's a solution found, and and uh, you know they can get some kind of uh, antibac. What do you call it? What well, a bit of dettol. Well, <laughs> wasn't that the the meme or the gift or whatever yeah, was going around? Someone meme? had a bottle yeah, and it said like, "Correct." I don't believe it. I think no. it was bollocks. But um, I think um, yeah, it's it's indoors. It's it's about sharpening yourself out for the. I've never been. There's never been an indoor Olympics, so it's all about the outdoors to me, and that's. But don't you yeah. think it's a bit strange? Well, and obviously it didn't happen in London, but what we had the Zika virus just before Rio. Yeah. I think uh, I was definitely someone who, who listened to the media and took on board what they said. I didn't realise that it was Zika in Germany. It was absolutely fine to go to Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's like uh, I was listening to Joe Rogan podcast the other day and he was talking about like uh, somewhere up in Canada where there's like a high percentage of rabies in bats. <laughs> so if you get bitten by a bat, you can get yeah. rabies. But like, oh, it's just, it's, I think uh, as we've as I've got older and you realise what you listen to in the media, it's it's always controlled by what the narrative is. So if you want to talk like the Commonwealth Games in Delhi, like everyone was talking about how shitty the preparation was, and they ended up having a good games. You know, um, London, everyone's talking down on it. It was meant to be a big waste of money, and it was the most positive this country's been in f- fucking ages. Like it was an amazing experience, and um, I think it's just you got to experience it yourself and. Uh, yeah, like uh, obviously, if there's no flights and <laughs> going to China, then you're not gonna have a world indoor championships. No. Um, I know people were kicking off the IWF, but I was like, "Are you dumb? Like, how yeah. fucking stupid do you have to be? Like, it's it's for your own good." 
I know. I take my, I take my chances. I take my chances. Yeah. I'll just wear one of those masks. Yeah. I'll be absolutely fine. I'll wash my hands. Yeah, and I'll no wear problem. a really tight all-in-one super suit to keep it all super in, just in case. Suit. Where is my super suit? Sorry. Um, I've been in South Africa, and the group of lads that I was there, it was like innuendo, bingo, bingo. every day, and oh. like anything that was said led on to something else. It didn't matter. Like as a boy, uh, Tommy. <laughs> tell me and he came out with some lines non it was just non-stop innuendos so uh shout out to those the gents of uh south africa they're we're in a whatsapp group and it's terrible so <laughs> i won't shout out anybody else <laughs> <laughs> right um, what's grinding your gears mate? what's grinding my gears i guess that's oh, long jump competitions that have uh five rounds and then they fucking change it to like a final round whoever wins that round wins the competition what a load of bollocks I think Di Green summed it up pretty simple on his Twitter. I can't remember what he said, but let me see if I can get it up. Imagine like a fifth round jump, you break the world record, and you you jump off in the last three with the top three, and you and you foul your jump and you come third. What a load of bollocks, mate! Yeah. What a load of bollocks! Where is it? What did Di Green say? But yeah, Di said something funny. Not like Di, is it? Miserable git. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's actually very funny if you get to know him he's one of the funniest people you ever meet but um, anyway it's gone but I think he just basically said fuck off and that was pretty much it it was just like mm-hmm. why are you taking the piss out of the sport like what's the point what's the you put so much time and energy into a competition and training and it's like yeah we're going to do that we're going to go put it to the final three and as a spectator as I said earlier if you follow the whole comp it's, all it's done is killed the comp mm. it's killed well, the vibe of it and, and- it also it just kills the athlete because where where is the where's the incentive in the first five rounds apart from making the top three now? So you could save all your energy up, jump an average jump, and then you give it beans and big licks in the last final three. <laughs> give it some because you know they're the only one that counts. Like so, you, as long as you're, it's like making the top eight. So like for for field events. You, you know you need to obviously get top eight, and you get an extra three throws. It's exactly the same. So once. Once the fifth one's out, then you can give it big licks on the sixth because you know you got a medal anyway. Yeah, yeah. But like, you can open I say, up. yeah. Um, yeah if you've just, just if you've just smashed the world record or even a national record, European record or a PB, something that matters to you, and you know that that isn't going to count towards your final score or like it could be as simple as just the season's best in a PB. Mm. Taking that opportunity away from someone, it's like, what the fuck are you playing at? Because right. then if they say, well, and then what's his name? Uh, John Ridgen? Is it John Ridgen who works at IWF now? He said, oh, it was a great success. I was like, who the fuck were you but, talking to? But <laughs> Sorry, I'm going effing and blinded now. No, but, but, but it's true because in that competition, right, a guy in the, in, who was in second, I think it was, jumped, what, 7.88 um, and jumped 7.64 and the other guy, and so he dropped down into third and the other guy jumped 7.70, I think. Yeah. 770 something he went into second but 788 is more than 774 but it didn't count because it was in the first five so he would have naturally come second anyway but that's the lud- like the ludicrous the, yeah it's, like it's the, just stupid it was, yeah. it's not that's what's grinding my gears if I'm perfectly honest I think it grinds both of our gears mate. go on Dan what you got for me I'll grind your I'm gonna, oh, I had an incident the other day in the car which really oh, it bugs me any, anywhere on a daily basis that people that don't indicate around roundabouts oh, where they're going dangerous bastards I oh, know 
but it's just oh it, it just gets to me it's it's one of those things where i just think it's like what everybody learns and what everybody is taught to do well when you're passing your tests yeah. it shows people around. where you're going and then it's these people where you pull out and you're like well you didn't indicate so i'm gonna yeah. go and then it's like and yeah did you I'm gonna isolate. I'm gonna make myself look like a prick. But do you find that old people don't do it as often? <laughs> oh, old people. Um, most probably. Wait, all the people I most... have problems with when I'm driving, they're like quite old, <laughs> and they're not yeah. willing to like give the road up if they're in the wrong. It don't matter. I've, no. I've had this discussion with my dad before. I said, when you get to a like retirement age, you need to redo your driving test every couple of years. Yeah. I think when you get to maybe seventy, you should do, you should do something. Yeah. Maybe like. I'm a, not saying your brain's not switched on. I'm no, just saying like yeah. you're, you're a, a refresher, memory. and then when you get to eighty, I think maybe that's when it's time I don't, to I don't think to do a driving. Uh, I don't think you should take away people's independence, but no. it's just like, look, you can keep your independence as long as you can drive properly. Yeah. <laughs> There's people like Amanda's gran, who's completely switched on, and she's eighty-seven, and she gets around just fine in her car. That is absolutely fine because she's switched on, she's a good driver, she's confident, still gets out at 87. Mm. Obviously, there's some people at 80 that Wait, some people don't go out the house. 35. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, can't so, drive. Some people just, just I'm can't just, drive I just all. feel like it's, a, it's more to do, for me, it's like, mm. well, I did a speed awareness course a couple of years ago. I was taking someone to hospital and I got flashed on the way to hospital and I still had to do the speed awareness course. And then it was like... People they didn't know the speed limits, they didn't know like the rules of the road, and I was like, "Freaking hell, man!" Like, and unfortunately, they were all old. <laughs> they weren't young; they were in their sixties, seventies, whatever. It suited and booted these blokes, like obviously still working, whatever. But they st- yeah, yeah, the rules of the road change. They do. Um, I found a John Ridgeon tweet. Oof, go Congrats on then. to Elaine Blonde, whatever, a <laughs> team and team for staging a great Carl's uh, Carl's show meet. Delighted innovation and men's long jump work really well too. Um, and then the responses are, uh, John, I know you hate my... Blah, blah, blah. Oh, Tom Bosworth's gone in. <laughs> oh, he's Oof. just thrown up. Did you learn nothing from the Continental Cup? Come on, John. A bit like Brexit, nobody can expect it. Yeah, basically just going in on him. So if you fancy checking that out. And John's a lovely bloke. Um, and he's just kind of like, he's just gone for it. He's just like, put his head down and hope for the best. Neil Wilson, does he still, he's a journalist. I think um, he's a good journalist. I think just think the nooks and crannies of it is all of this. athletics is a very easy and simple sport to understand if you do it right. It, mm. it makes it easy for, easy for the public to understand. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Like I mean, Paralympics is hard enough to understand with all the classifications and mixed classifications and various disabilities and <gasps> stuff. Look at the cat. <laughs> and it, and and like Olympic sport is is easy. You know, you've got eight. Eight or nine lanes, eight or nine people running, jumping, throwing, um, maybe 12 or 12 athletes throwing, running, jumping. And, um, you know, it's it, it is, is, it's as easy as form, isn't it? They're all trying to vie for top three to get a medal um, or top eight to make a final. <laughs> no, you're tweet up, I'm not going to read it out. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Who's that? Don't worry about it, mate. All right, okay. <laughs> um, no, I'm just thinking it's, uh, yeah, that's my grind of gears. So I've just jumped back onto your, on top of your grind of my gears. No, it's fine. Bad drivers. Bad drivers are just, yeah. 
it just it just gets me that's probably a good thing to finish on bad fucking drivers and stupid people fucking up events (laughs) positive A live result, Rooney, from tonight. A couple of live, live results. CJ Uja. CJ? What has he, he done? He equaled his PB. I don't know what his PB is, but it's it's solid. You know, he's going to be good. Uh, it was a six-meter vault in the men's pole vault, which, to be honest, when I was watching it earlier, it looked crap. So to come out and jump six meters, Mondo, you are a beast. Um, but what did he run? 6.53? Nah, 6.61, was it? it equaled PB, yeah, so 6.61. Oh, 59 is he run? I think he's gone 650. It's, it's run 653. It's run 653, so... Mm, wow, well, fair PB. play to you, boy. Good running. Congratulations. Top sprinting. Top sprinting. So, that's all from us. We really hope you enjoy that pod. Uh, thank you very much. If you could like and subscribe on Spotify, on... Uh, iTunes if you could give us a follow on at GRSP GRS podcast GRS podcast we'll get it right one day it's on Instagram and it's got a huge following right now you can be one of the early subscribers earlier followers maybe we should should do like some t-shirts or some caps some caps no Guy Learmoth's got the cap game on flick I don't know if that's the right word anymore but anyway thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed it